Giant ice asteroid. Giant. Raise temperature two steps and place two ocean tiles. Remove up to six You've plants from any player. Quite mad. Oh. Who has a lot of plants? Welcome to Which Game First, where we boldly explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we find any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up this week, we draw on inspiration to lead the artists to their masterpieces in Muse. Next up, we crash asteroids and cultivate bacteria in our efforts at terraforming Mars. And lastly, the best laid plans are laid to waste as the rules change in flux. I'm your host, Celeste Angelis. Now let's meet the rest of our brave and intrepid panel. I'm Evan Bernstein, fresh off my conquest of what used to be called the United Kingdom, and now it's simply Evansburg. Hi, I'm Ed Povolitis, and Mars will come to fear my botany powers. Okay, this is Joe Unfree. I'm about to perform groundbreaking oral surgery. This requires intense concentration. I must insist on complete silence. I'm now applying synesthesia to the patient. Ugh, I'm Mike Grenier, and did everything just taste purple for a second? <laughs> hey Joe, do you know what Patreon is? Patreon is the builder of one of the world's most eclectic and comprehensive company culture decks. Oh, that's actually true. And it's a way for our listeners to support the show. For just $3 a month, you can get exclusive episodes, bonus content, and interviews. Just go to our website and click on Become a Supporter today. Our first game up this week is Muse, designed by Jordan Sorensen, published by Quick Simple Fun Games in 2017. Number of players, 2 to 12, ages 10 and up, runtime 30 minutes. Let's start with Evan. Welcome back. Thank you, thank you. And what did you think? How does one describe art in just a single word or phrase or gesture? That's your job to figure it out. And Ed, how about you? You'll spend a lot of time studying the art card, searching for the best clue or the correct card. Good thing you'll enjoy the rich details in a surreal art. And Joe? I like surreal art, especially when it's central to a game, as it is in this one. And you can have up to 12 players. Mike? Delve deep into the psyche of your partners, or you'll ride the road to ruin. But I'm not sure if delving deep into the psyche of your partners will lead you to roll the ruin anyway. Oh, it will. That's a good point. It is interesting that this game changes significantly based on the number of players and who those players are. But before we get into it, Mike, tell us a little bit about how it's played. All right. In Muse, players are divided into two teams that will take turns as artists or antagonists. At the start of each round, a muse is chosen from the artist team. Then the antagonist draws six art cards and two inspiration cards, and secretly choose one of each, with the goal of making it difficult for the artist to guess which of the masterpieces they chose. Then they secretly show their choices to the muse. To make it more challenging, they also choose one of the two inspiration cards, which guides the muse to the type of clue that they must use to help their team. As a muse, you need to be creative and give the right clue within the constraints of the inspiration card to help guide your team to the right masterpiece. If the artist guessed the correct one, they take it. If they guess wrong, the antagonists take it. First team to seize five masterpieces wins. So, when you play with two or three players, you're playing against the cards. It's a different type of collaboration. Mm -hmm. And with four players, there's no collaboration at all. One of your teammates is the muse and the other person has to guess. That's kind of where I felt some of the fun was. So I think this game really is the more the merrier. 
You know, I think that if you have five or six people on your team, that's going to cause a lot of conversation while you're trying to guess what piece of art you should pick. And that could be helpful or that could be a detriment. (laughs) Oh, it definitely could, but it's definitely going to be more fun. Yeah, more people is more fun, but probably so many chefs in the kitchen makes it really difficult. (laughs) Exactly. More challenging, maybe. Getting a team to agree on which um, of the masterpieces they're going to choose is hilarious, especially as the muse, you're just sitting there and not being able to give any, like, more hints than your specific clue that you're allowed to give and you're watching them just choose the wrong one it's like a steamroller that you can't get out of the way of like no no why are you saying that (laughs) that's not what i meant right exactly and you have to be stone-faced also facial gestures yeah i had to leave the room i mean i can't even watch it's too painful exactly (laughs) i I think i closed my eyes when i was (laughs) right i don't think they would have chosen this one right this is our final choice yeah I liked how the clues were structured. Some of those clues were definitely tougher and more obscure. There's things like... You have to use a, uh, a color from a crayon box. Yeah, choose a color from a crayon box. Then the person would say a color and then their team would have to guess among the five or six cards that were there what they meant. So the thing is, there'll be a lot of crossover on color. So that can be really tricky. And the trickier part, too, is that the muse, when they're making up their clue, doesn't see what the other cards are. So they can Mm -hmm. inadvertently be giving a clue that fits way better for one of the other hidden cards that's out there. Yeah. So there might be a lot of orange on your card, but when you flip over all the art, all the art could have orange. Or one could have an actual orange on the picture. (laughs) And you're like, darn it. And it encourages you to really make the most of the clue. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. And don't forget, they give you two clues to choose from. And I think that's a good rule. You're not locked into whatever one clue you happen to pull. You have a little bit of flexibility there. And Well, the muse doesn't yeah. get to choose the clue. <laughs> right. The antagonists get to choose. And that, that, that helped. I felt that helped a lot. Oh, yeah. yeah. The muse picked the clue, but the uh, antagonist picked the, the rules I have to follow. Right. The type of clue. And I think I, in our game... Most of the time, people failed. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, so we played with six players, mm-hmm. and I definitely, in collaborating with my partner, I found that we often talked ourselves out of the right card. <laughs> that did <laughs> that's happen. That's the best. When the yeah. antagonists are watching people talk themselves out of it, are they like, it can't be this one, flip. And then they're like, yes. <laughs> you know, it's really painful as the muse watching them have the right answer and then talk themselves out of it. <laughs> well, that's why you have to really prevent yourself from giving any extra bonus sort of hints yeah. with uh-huh. facial expressions. Yeah. And I think it, it matters a lot who you're playing with because yeah. mm-hmm. if you're playing with friends, good friends, you're going to know more about that person. So you're going to know right. more about why they would choose that word or why they wouldn't choose that word for a certain piece of art. It's almost like poker in that respect. <laughs> And I think it, uh, the art really helped things along because there's a lot of detail in the art that you can actually look for and use to help with the clues. I like that this is similar to Dixit, which is one of my favorite games, but it does have the advantage of a little bit more collaboration between the players at the table. It's not so silent. You know, there's a lot of banter that happens during this game. I enjoyed it a lot more than Dixit for a couple of reasons. I found the art in this to be more interesting with more going on. It was kind of wacky, you know? It felt a little like watching a Studio Ghibli film where things are a little strange or a little disoriented um, or not quite what you expected. So that helped a lot. 
dwarf at the beach, astronaut floating adrift <laughs> in space. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like everybody sees something different in the different pieces of art. Oh, that's for sure. Yeah, the art I found yeah. to be very inspirational. Not my not my style, like I wouldn't hang it up in my house, but I found it to be perfect for the game. Mm-hmm. I think it's also helpful when you're trying to get the right card to get a little bit into the meta of the game where you start eliminating cards simply because if the muse had that, they wouldn't say that or the opponent wouldn't give that clue and that card. And it's like, okay, well, that would we would have gotten a different clue if they used that card. It, you know, it always came down to two or three cards where it's like, oh, it could be any of these. It was tricky. It was, it's certainly harder being the guessing team. The team that gets to choose the clue cards for the muse, that's a fun thing to do. It gets tricky, too, because you're looking at it like, no, Evan's definitely going to know that if we say it. Like, I screwed up and uh, gave a clue, and it immediately went to, like, Doctor Who or something. I was like, crap. That was one of the few times they got it right. Yeah. I had three problems with the game. Okay. Problem number one. I felt the game moved slowly. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of sitting around for half of the players playing. And I think maybe a time limit would have helped move things along. A little sand timer you could flip. Yeah, so that would have been a good a good thing to implement, mm-hmm. definitely. Second problem, they say it's a 30-minute game. Uh-uh. <laughs> Not even with us, the slowest game players in existence. There's no way this is a 30-minute game. And the third problem I had with the game is that Celeste yelled at me. Hold <laughs> 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 on. Why would they give you this with this clue? This looks like an Othello board. <laughs> Why, Evan? She chewed me out. That's an extremely rare thing, I have to say. Of all of of my friends, I think I yell at Evan the least. (laughs) It's true. But it left lasting scars. I think it's fortunate that somebody wins every round, because otherwise, if you had to get five correct guesses, the game would never end. That's true. Yeah, so the game is, and I agree with Evan, it is a little long on its own, so a good thing at least every round somebody's winning, so you're progressing to the end at some point. I honestly think Joe had a bit of an advantage because his vocabulary is bigger. Well, that could screw everybody uh-huh. else up then if, oh. if we don't know what the word is that he said. It's not so much like pulling out a big word as pulling out just the right word. Mm-hmm. And he seemed to have a, a more of a knack for that than the rest of us. Yeah, he gave mm-hmm. great clues and I terribly guessed at them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so ashamed. I was on an imposing team um, and... Every time he said the word, I'm like, oh, no, like they're totally going to get it. <laughs> yeah. And I, perp- and you know, I was a little bit of a bully on guessing which one it was on my team. And I totally blew it a couple of times. You and Joe would actually make a good team. Yeah. But that's the thing, too. You can restructure the teams and have a completely different experience just because of the combination of people. Yeah. Personalities count in this game. There's also a co-op version of this game um, where you're all on the same team and one person is the muse and he picks the card off the top and then shuffles it together with the top five cards and then it reveals oh. it. Now, so. that's a version I may have enjoyed more playing that way. It's yeah. interesting. Well, yeah. yeah, because then at least there wouldn't be downtime for half the players. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, there's always downtime for the muse if he's watching you try to guess. Well, right. But it gets sp- uh, spread yeah. around. I think little. putting a timer on this game was a great idea, though. Oh, thank you. Okay, it's time to decide whether or not to dig up or bury Muse. Joe? I'm a strong digger-upper for this one. I guess it's because everyone pays attention to the art, but the game's not about the art. The art is just a vehicle to get into your opponent's heads. Evan? I think I'll be in the minority here. I'm going to bury it, but just barely. Too much sitting around by about two-thirds of the group. And although replayability factor is high, I think I would still tire of the game after two to three times. 
Ed, how about you? It encourages clever and creative clues while looking at really nice art. So I'll dig it up just for that. Mike? Uh, this will go into my category of favorite games to play with a mixed group of people. So I will say dig it way up. There's a lot going on here for a party game. Yes, there's downtime, but I kind of think maybe at a party, that's okay because you can converse while you're waiting. So in that regard, if it's not like a hardcore game night, I like it. Dig it up. And Mike, where can you find it? Uh, it's about 25 bucks, available online and at your friendly local gaming store. If you have thoughts about Muse, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We would love to hear from you. Our next game up is Terraforming Mars, designed by Jacob Frizelius, published by Stronghold Games in 2016. Number of players, 1 to 5. Ages 12 and up. Runtime, 120 minutes. Let's start with Evan. What did you think? I used to be a boot black. Now I'm terraforming Mars. Don't <laughs> worry. It'll make sense later. <laughs> Will it? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> and Joe, how about you? This game brings the inspiring premise of humanity expanding its habitat by seeding a lifeless planet with water, oxygen, and various organisms. Ed, how about you? In your face, Neil Armstrong. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I don't think anybody has ever said that. Mike, how about you? Get ready to feel like a god, bringing life to a lifeless ball of dust. <laughs> I mean, yes. This game is dizzy busy with tons <laughs> of science fiction. But I guess if anywhere is going to get buried in endless tech, it's the high stakes world of corporate competitive terraforming. <laughs> oh, yeah. But before we get into it, Ed, tell us a little bit about how it's played. In Terraforming Mars, you control a corporation competing to terraform Mars into a habitable planet by spending vast resources and using innovative technologies to raise the temperature, create a breathable atmosphere, and make oceans of water. You play project cards to build up production, place cities and green areas on a map, and race for milestones and awards in order to have the best terraforming rating among the companies. Projects can represent anything from introducing plant life or animals, hurling asteroids at the surface, building cities, to mining the moons of Jupiter and establishing greenhouse gas industry to heat up the atmosphere. Each player keeps track of their production and resources on their player board. You also compete for different milestones and awards with many VPs. When the three global parameters, temperature, oxygen, and ocean, have all reached their goal, the terraforming is complete. The highest terraforming rating in VPs wins. That was surprisingly succinct for what is an extremely happening game. The most crazy thing to keep track of is the amount of cards you are given in this game. And it's all kinds of crazy stuff on these cards. Um, and each one is like a different technological advance or innovation. Or action of some sort. There's over 208 project cards. Whoa. Yeah, that's it's bananas. I mean, you could get used to them, I suppose, after many plays. Um, it was entertaining looking at them and the art on these cards, guys. Okay, just, just to give our audience a picture of what we're looking at. It was all kinds of different art. Line cartoon art, clip line cartoon art, photos of people, like stock images. <laughs> like, <all laughs> kind, like just a complete array. But you know what? Somehow it just worked. Like maybe it was because we were so busy looking at what the cards did, but I felt like they were chosen really well. And I actually was immersed by that. 
I agree. I, I thought the, the card art was done very well. And one of my favorite mechanics was, you know, when you're looking at your card, you have to have to decide which one to buy. Not just you get the four cards, and you have to buy those cards yeah. and put them in your hand. And that makes some tough choices because money is a very tight resource in the game. I remember money was the resource I was chasing the most. There are strategies that can build up your money faster instead of building up the other resources. So that might help to get your engine rolling. Um, but one thing I notice is that with 208 cards, it's hard to pinpoint a strategy that you want to use because you're not mm -hmm. seeing enough of the cards that you'd want that fit in with your strategy sometimes. I saw other people discarding cards that would have worked perfectly with what I was trying to do. And it made me very, very sad. <laughs> <laughs> I felt the initial set of cards that you're dealt sort of steers the player into a direction. And it's mm -hmm. not that you can't change it or go a different way, mm -hmm. but you don't want to waste starting hand cards. That's how I felt. Well, we started with the generic type corporation that starts with a full hand of like 10 cards that you've already pre-purchased, basically. Mm -hmm. um, but in some of the other ones have pluses and minuses about them that make a certain strategy work better for them. And they start with a lot less cards and resources than we did. Well, yeah, they start with the same 10 cards, but you have to buy them like you normally would at the beginning. So you're not going to have all the cards. You're going to select the ones that work for you. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's actually a you're, you get a better chance at customizing your strategy if you do it that way. Right. Yeah. And there's a popular variant that's uh, called for drafting the cards. So when you look at your four, you'll pick one to draft and you pass it around. So this way... People will look at more cards and they can decide whether, oh, I want this card because it's good for me, or I'm going to take this card so that my opponent doesn't get it because it's too good for them. Yeah, I think a draft would work really good in this game. Celeste, drafting is the equivalent of, of handing around a jug of wine and everyone taking a swig. I know, it's kind of, it, is, it is a little gross. <laughs> but also, I feel like that might start the game off on a more of an animosity angle. And I don't know if that's really what you want to be doing right at the beginning of this. I mean, it is competitive. Yeah, for your first play, I think I don't recommend it because it'll take longer, too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the yeah. startup is a little longer to do it that and way. And you don't sure. need to add time to this game, though. Yeah, this game does go on a little long, and you're kind of limited by the starting cards. I feel like also at the end of the game, you're limited by the fact that you, many of the cards are then useless. Yeah, a lot of the cards are dependent on the current temperature or the current uh, state of the board, and some and you can't play it until it reaches that or exceeds it, or sometimes it's already passed and you can't play that card anymore. So you do end up with a lot of dead cards, especially towards the end of the game. Also, I think one thing people forgot about occasionally is the standard projects, which are always mm -hmm. available. So if the card yeah. is not working out for you, you can just use one of the standard projects. They're always there. But they have a psychological bad rap. Nobody wants to default to the standard huh. project. It feels like a failure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a lack of efficiency, which I cannot abide by in games like this. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the other thing that's pretty neat is how the other resources, well, they're not as universal as the money, which is always good. It's good everywhere. Everybody mm -hmm. takes money. But the other <laughs> resources help you with specific strategies because a lot of times that'll get you what you need more efficiently. Yeah, can we talk about the resource tracker a little bit? So the resource tracker, good grief. You have to keep these little cubes in these little squares with a sheet of paper underneath showing you what you should put in the frame. Holy cow, that frame slid all over that paper. I mean, forget about it. Not And you can't, once the cubes are messed up, like you're not going to know where to put your cubes if it slides. And forget about it being cat friendly. It's not even human friendly. 
<laughs> well, that's why I have the frame. The frames don't come with the game. I mean, I think the frame was very helpful to keeping your cubes in the same alignment that they should be in. Without that, it would be even worse, probably, because then your cubes just get nudged one space on the board and you're screwed. Yeah, it could have been worse, but it could have been a whole lot better. There were a ton of resources to keep track of, and a lot of the cards helped you grow your resources, mm -hmm. and I had so much fun with the cards. Like, every yeah. single one of them I found interesting to look at and sort of playful. Like, I don't know, maybe I just like seeing sci-fi gadgets. <laughs> Crashing like. asteroids into planet. Into the I was planet. the master of greenery. I tried to be like oh, a bacteria yes. farmer and purveyor of all things green. Like I would grow trees and grow bacteria and bring ants into the equation to help the environment. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Uh, I found that to be a pretty useful strategy in other <laughs> games I played. Well, er everybody's got to eat. <laughs> yep. You did lose some plants occasionally, yeah. Mike. Everybody was attacking my plants. I was like, what's wrong with you people? Don't you want greenery on this lovely planet? Of course I want, but I wanted, I wanted my plants. I didn't want your plants. <laughs> I also spent a lot of time crashing asteroids into the planet too, which was super oh, fun. Yes. Yeah, I don't yes. know how I did that. I'm not sure what I did to make that happen. Science! Money. <laughs> I like the science theme in the game. It feels very... Science in it. Uh, most of the stuff <laughs> in there is actually pretty scientifically correct. Yeah. That was the most fun part by far. But all, second only to crashing asteroids into the planet. Yeah. <laughs> um, and somebody has to lose three plants. I'm sorry, Mikey. I'm okay with that. Hey, somebody has to pay the price. Right. My plants are always paying the price, you know? But that's that's what it takes it's to make Because I have, grow. like, three anemic-looking yeah. shrubs that's all on people. my side. <laughs> and it creates the oxygen one level. One so now we're at 6% oxygen for people. Ooh. Yay! Oh, really? Wow, I got this out breathe just in time. Breathe it in. There was a lot of work and good, solid organization in the design and the setting. And after the first couple of turns, I always had a pretty good idea what was going on, what I wanted to do mm -hmm. next. I was actually tied with that at one point, rather close to the end of the game before, you know, he beat <laughs> me. But, uh, you know, I can't wait to play it again. I like the way the game builds up because it seems like things are progressing slow at first. But as the game progresses, you notice things are accelerating. Things are happening faster than you expect them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, after hour six, you're like, wow, this is really speeding up. <laughs> well, we were particularly slow. I don't think I don't think I've spent that long in any other place. I like that little aspect of a lot of Euro games where you pick a customized award, meaning I'm mm -hmm. going for the heat. So I'm mm -hmm. gonna try and make this planet super warm. I'm gonna choose the heat award as my custom victory points. Once I've bought it, nobody else can buy it and I get extra victory for the heat. Yeah, yeah. You pay for the spot to say oh, victory points will be awarded for the person who has produced the most heat. But then somebody else comes out of nowhere and beats you. You've just given them a bunch of victory points at the end of the game. Yeah, Ed and I wound up competing together for sort mm -hmm. of some of the same stuff. The people who pick it earlier get to pick awards for cheaper. Or you might mm -hmm. not, if you go too late to the game, you can't even pick one. But if you pick right. too early, other people, well, I'm going to, now, now I know that was victory points. I'm just going to make a boatload of heat. To me, it didn't feel as deep as a lot of the Euro games that Ed trots out for us. <laughs> it felt busier and more active and fun, but not quite as deep. I thought the strategies could get pretty deep. I mean, at first you're diversifying your options and doing a bunch of stuff, but eventually you can have things that are fully interacting with each other, like three three layers deep. I've seen people who beat me this game that got some serious synergy going on. They'll be doing something and they're they're making a whole month of money and then they're getting some other bonuses coming in from that and they get to do a different thing. 
yeah, there were plenty of combos, <laughs> but um, <laughs> it just didn't feel like that kind of depth you see in some of the Euro games. However, that doesn't, you know, that's not a critique of like overall enjoyment of the game. It just felt different than mm. other Euro games I've played. With me, it's a semi-cooperative part of that. That's what I mean by that. We're definitely competitors, but we're all making uh, Mars get terraformed. We're increasing the oxygen. It's making the world better. And that's how you get victory points by making the terraforming parts happen. It feels like we're competing, but if you're looking at the game from the outside, it's actually cooperation to get Mars terraformed. You just want to be the company that's known for it. It's time to decide whether or not to dig up or bury terraforming Mars. Joe, how about you? I have to dig this up to play it again. How else am I going to win? Evan? Someone needs to explain to me how you can possibly terraform Mars without digging it up. Literally, dig it up. Mike, how about you? Causing havoc for the good of mankind was really fun, so dig it up. Ed? Dig it up like Martian potatoes. <laughs> uh, for what I'm going to privately label a sci-fi stuff collecting game, it was pretty fun So and funny. So dig it up. Ed, where can you find it? Terraforming Mars retails for about 60 bucks and is generally available at hobby stores and online. There are also a few expansions available for the game. And if you have thoughts about Terraforming Mars, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our last game up this week is Flux, designed by Andrew Looney and Kristen Looney, published by Looney Labs in 1997, number of players 2 to 6, ages 8 and up, runtime 5 to 30 minutes. Let's start with Joe. What do you think? Uh, This game is a worthy effort. It did make a darn good run of doing what it was trying to do. Ed, how about you? If something is in a state of flux, it is constantly changing. Fact. (laughs) Mike? Nobody knows the rules better than anyone else because they can change at a moment's notice. And Evan? Are you a swinger? That is, you like swingy games? Well, hello, swinger! (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This is a whimsical game with a not-so-whimsical length. (laughs) Evan, you brought this game to the table. Tell us a little bit about how it's played. Shuffle the deck of cards. Start by dealing three cards to each player. Choose a person to start, and then draw one, play one. That is, until you play new rules cards that start to tell you to do other things, such as draw two cards, or play three cards, or discard your entire hand. The goal of the game? Well, that's whatever the goal card tells you. A goal might be to have some keeper cards in front of you, or a goal might be to have ten cards in your hand. Every player is shooting for the same goal. Just like the rules, the goals also change. If you don't like the current goal card, go ahead and play a new goal card and supersede the last goal. The rules are ever-changing, the goals are ever-changing, the game moves fast, and it can be over in a heartbeat or an hour later. It's impossible to predict, and that's the fun. (laughs) Is it, though? Is it the fun? Is it the fun? In quotes, <laughs> it is. I mean, we're fun for a while. This is a this is definitely a moving target game. It's a hurry up and win before the rules change and you can't yes. win. Right. Yeah, I mean with that's the part com- of the fun is kind of you know keeping everything changing and trying to keep up with the changes. I agree, but it for me it's definitely. I think you hit the nail on the head by saying keeping up with the changes. It felt a little frustrating. Like we had five players and. 
I'm not just going to cite Joe, who kind of gets mired in the rules um, and wants to be extremely clear on everything before he operates. But I felt like we were constantly explaining the rules to each other. Like, oh, nope, this is the way it is now, and this is going to happen, and that's it. And oh, no, that was last hand. Uh, you know, so to me, it felt a little bit more like we were just explaining to each other than playing. It's not that hard to understand. The rules are pretty easy to follow. as It's just whatever cards happen to be out at the moment. If you have a strategy going into this game, you're doing it wrong. You're wasting your time. Don't don't get bogged down in strategy. I feel like the rules needed to change a little bit slower just so you can try to win instead of just having that lucky moment. <laughs> you know, oh, look, I won. Like, you don't even realize it almost. Do you think there were any moments where there was a winner and they missed it? No, I'm not saying that. But like, you know, you play the peanut butter card and the jelly card and all of a sudden you accidentally win when somebody's forced to play peanut butter and jelly like you know yeah you can kind of stumble upon the victory disagree a little um they're definitely primarily luck but there's a little room to play well to improve your odds if you look at the combination mm -hmm. of your card you can, might be able to find oh if i play this and then that i might win somebody can win before you even play a single card well that's true i mean you can't do anything about that i'm sure it's true ed that some cards if you are careful about them, can be useful through multiple rules changes. Mm -hmm. To me, I don't think you can stumble across the wins easily enough. I feel like there should have been more chances to win this game. It just dragged on too long. How long did we play? Uh, ours was about 40 It was not quite an hour. Almost I an hour. I think it took us about 40, 45 minutes to complete. Well, it felt like an hour. Share the wealth. Gather up all the keepers on the table, oh. them together, and deal them back out to players starting with yourself. Yay! That's a super victory for me. Share the love. This oh, game is... This is uh, socialism in action. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this game felt long. This type of game, and I realize Flux is very different from we didn't play test this at all, but... To me, it felt like we didn't play test this at all. Better achieved that sense of whimsy where it's like, uh, anything mm. goes, anything could happen. Anybody can win at any time. Wow, mm. isn't this fun? The, the game slowed down because, at least in my opinion, when there are six or eight or ten different rules in effect, that, that just tends to be too many. And, you're, and that slowed things down, just reading through everything. There's a rule for how many you draw. There's a rule for how many you have to play. Yeah. And then there's goals. And then there's a couple of other like potential rules like that don't supersede those first two initial ones. Mike, don't worry. There's a reset card in the deck. I know. <laughs> we didn't Good pull God. it. We didn't oh, pull it. But I, thank I God. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I, I was so hoping for it, Mike, because <laughs> of course just, you were just just that that out that outtake of gameplay audio would have been so perfect. Oh, oh, I'd love to have heard any, that. Any card game that has a start over card in it is wrong. <laughs> just foolish. I think the toughest part for me was definitely keeping track keeping track of the card limits. That was tough. They were constantly changing. Well, I think they only had to pay attention to the rules when it was your turn, though. I found this game a little too random. Some gamers really want the appearance of randomness more than they want actual randomness. Oh yeah, this this was actual randomness. But, <laughs> yeah, this game has definitely has the real thing, which means the game can end suddenly or drag on for too long. That's why it's a five to thirty minute game. Yeah. It feels a little dated too. There's a lot of words written on the cards and 
not a lot of art and the art that was there was not helpful. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was just sort of blah. If you think this game is dated, um, they have another 42 versions plus. <laughs> I don't yeah. Know, yeah. I don't know no how many, kidding. but there's an enormous number of variants on this game, which play exactly the same way. Well, which game did we play? Which version? 1997 original. The original Flux. Okay. Right. I mean, I suppose if you wanted to get zen about this game, you could look at it as a way to build transition tolerance mm-hmm. in yourself, which is something yeah. a lot of people have trouble with. <laughs> wow. That's deep, Celeste. That's deep. Yeah. Therapeutic. <laughs> yeah. Wow. If they start marketing as a therapy game. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> wow. Whole new revenue stream. Yeah. Train therapy. We need a commission on that if that happens. <laughs> That's true. Come on, Looney Labs, fork up the cash. All right, it's time to decide whether or not to dig up or bury Flux. Mike, how about you? I'd say as a party game, it has the right elements for a mixed group to enjoy a lighthearted game. But personally, I just say bury this game. And Evan, how about you? Okay for parties, for kids and adults alike. Didn't generate the fun and laughs I like with most party games. So Flux didn't quite make it over the bar. I'm going to bury it. It was by no means a terrible game to me. Ed, how about you? The game's shifting rules match the game's name. And it's interesting to follow for a bit. But so it's just an okay game, but I think overall it didn't quite grab me. So bury it in the shifting sand. Maybe somebody else will find it. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, how about you? Uh, frequent change and randomness or its appearance are both good things to have in a game, but they're not always enough. I'm burying this. Well, if I'm having a card night, I just can't think of a reason why this would be the deck I'd pull out. So I, too, am going to have to bury it. Evan, where can you find it? I bought it at DragonCon, which is a convention in Atlanta. 13 bucks, but it's pretty much available anywhere you can buy other card games. If you have thoughts about Flux, come and tell us. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you've done. If you'd like more perks and content from our show, just go to our website today and click on Become a Patron. If you get a chance to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, it really helps others find the show. And join our chat on our Discord server, Which Game First? And our Patreon supporters get access to exclusive channels. Follow us on your favorite social media. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Happy gaming, explorers. Bye, everybody. Now I'm terraforming Mars. And we're terraforming Mars. <laughs>